Good morning, everybody. It is July 21st. It's a Tuesday, and I'm doing this podcast on a Tuesday. Um, I think I'm going to change my days from Mondays, because I'm just realizing Mondays are really kind of a hard day to make everything happen, and I'm still coming out of the weekend, and then I'm trying to like do research on Sundays, and I try to take my Sundays off as much as possible. I don't always do the best job, but this just adds to it, and so I just want some time to be able to to rest, honor God with a day of rest, um, and, uh, anyways, have some time I can dedicate to kids and everything, and so, all I have to say, I think I'm going to move the schedule back just a little bit, so, here we are, Tuesday, and this is no easy answer. It, um, last, the last two episodes we've been talking about how, whether God is violent or not in his own character. And uh, I did a dialectic where I first argued that God is violent, and then I argued where, no, that is not the true characteristic of who God is. I'm not going to give an answer to that. Ha, you're going to have to figure it out. And I think that's, that's really <laughs> the best thing we can do, is anytime we have a chance to talk that over with God, the better. I think what we typically do, especially in a logic-based society, is we just look at things and we say, um... We don't really consider, sorry, my car's acting weird. Um, we don't really consider what God might be saying to us when we have these issues we might have with God, whether it's one or the other, and then we need to find some sort of logical response before we go to God himself. Maybe we just need to ask him first, like, okay, Lord, I have this issue, What? why? What's the deal? What do you think about this? And so um, my recommendation is let's talk with God first when we have issues with him at the get-go. Be like, okay, Lord, I saw you did this in scripture, in history, or whatever. I don't like that. What do you want to say to me about it? Instead of just being like, oh, there's something wrong with God. I'm just going to give up on this whole thing. Uh, let's deepen our conversation with him. Let's deepen our relationship with him. Because typically, it's, the issue is not with him. It's typically with us. And there might be something that God wants to reveal to us about ourselves. With that said... Today, I don't know if I'll finish this, but I want to start down this path of looking at whether it is possible for a Christian to use violence. Is this something that the Bible supports or not? Um, And I kind of feel like this is a pretty easy answer, actually, but I don't think a lot of people like it. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to get into this. But today is dedicated to this question, can a Christian or should a Christian use violence? Uh, Is it, is violence promoted on behalf of any follower of Jesus in the scriptures? Now, to really answer this question, I got to define violence first. And and for this particular podcast, I'm going to take a narrow view of violence. Um, There are broader definitions of violence, but let's just use kind of a narrower view of of violence. So this is going to be my definition of violence for this podcast. Another podcast will open it up and start talking about other forms of of violence. I mean, I I think possibly the most broadest definition of violence from a biblical perspective is anything that mars or tarnishes the image of God in a person. I think that's probably the, the biggest, broadest, best, clearest definition of violence. Um, anything that one person or party or, or anything can do towards a person that can mar the image of God or that can try to mar the image of God within them. Um, 
that I think is probably one of the best ones coming out at Genesis. However, in this case, I feel like this is a debate that comes up, and so I'm kind of going to go into that. And so I I wanted to find violence in a narrow sense, which is the use of force by one party against the other to obtain a result that cannot be obtained just through words. Now, when I say use of force, I should say use and threat of force. But let's, let's say that. The use or threat of force, physical force, to obtain a result from one party over the other that would not be obtainable through words in any other circumstance. So, for example, let's, let's take a robbery. Someone comes up to you and they say, and they say you know, I, I'm just not having a good day. I lost my job. I've been on the street for a while, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to take care of the situation. And I, I just need your car. Or like, really, I, I just need your car. And, and I can't give it back to you, but would you be so kind as to just give me your car right here and right now? Uh, I think most people would find that a little odd. <clears throat> if it's not accompanied by any threat, then I would not consider that to be violence. It's just a petition. It's an ask. Yes, it's a very big ask. It's a very big petition. But I would believe 99% of people, if they're asked that question, would probably not give up their car. Uh, and so the person tried their words but that didn't work, so then they either use force or the threat of force to get your car from you, at which point you either become compliant or you become dead, and now they have your vehicle that they were not able to get just through the use of words, dialogue, and communication. So, um, now there's obviously manipulation through words. There's other ways you can do words and, and things like that to obtain, a, uh, obtain something that you would not otherwise if it was just you know, a direct ask. But I'm not going to get into that right now. <laughs> We're just going to talk about the use or threat of violence to obtain something from one party to the other that would not be obtainable through the use of standard dialogue and conversation. Now then, with that definition, let's ask this question. Can a Christian use violence? Now, there are multiple subsets of this question as we go in, and, and I think it's very necessary to look at this because if we don't we're going to get into some kind of odd situations so let me start where i think most people that would want to say yes to this question uh would start and let's start old testament let's start with uh someone who is you know part of the people of god that is coming into the promised land, being led by Joseph, and God is telling them, okay, go and wipe out this people. Should they be using violence? If God told, told them to, then yes, they should. They're being obedient in that case. And you can see the cases where they were not obedient in that, that there was consequences for that. Now, the ethics and morals of all that, again, that's something we can look at, and that's why I had that little dialectic. But in that particular case, yes, they would be justified in doing it. Now, does God want someone to just use violence just because they want to? Again, it would seem like the answer to that is no. Uh, the fact that within the Ten Commandments, stealing, killing, these types of things, coveting, the, the root of some of these issues, those are verboten. These are not to be uh, entertained by any, any sense whatsoever. Um, so, in that sense, 
committing violence just because you want something that somebody else has and not because God has asked for it, that would seem to be that no, that is not permitted. That's all I'm going to say about the Old Testament, really. (laughs) That's about it. Uh, uh, We'll get into wars in maybe this episode. We'll see. But that's all I want to say. Now, let's go to the New Testament. And pretty, pretty clear on, we're going to see that there's some pretty radical things that Jesus says that now there's some different things going on. So, um, Sermon on the Mount. Very clear. Jesus says, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, hey, even if you look at a woman uh, and lust after her in your heart, you committed adultery with you. The standard is going up. Jesus is now going fulfilling the completeness of the law. He's not throwing it out, but now he's bringing it to its fullness and its completeness. Same thing. If you uh, hate someone in your heart, you've killed them. So now it's not just enough to go out there and kill them physically. Now it's doing it in your heart. It's killing them. So the standard is going up. And he says, you know, I've heard it say, love your friends and hate your enemies. But he says, no, I tell you, if you want to be perfect, love your enemies. Because he sends, God sends his reign upon the just and the unjust. So now, before it was like, all right, these people were against me. Let's hate them. Yes, this is what God wants us to do. Now Jesus says, no. No hatred towards enemies. That is not what God is about. God, in the fullness of who he is, extends love and mercy to his enemies. And now if we, as followers of Christ, want to be perfect like our Father in heaven... That's what we got to do. We got to love our enemies. And again, I remind you, the enemies are the people that want to kill you. These are the people that treat you wrong. These are people that use violence against you. They use violence against your family. Use violence against your own ethnic people, group, whatever you want to identify yourself with. That, those are your enemies. Um, so these are the people that you are already suffering because of their existence and the way they act. <clears throat> and Jesus says... Nope. <laughs> you gotta love them. So to me, really at that point, it becomes very clear, okay, as a Christian, we are not supposed to use violence. Um, because now we're supposed to love our enemies. It would seem like if you could come up with a way that using violence is a form of love, then perhaps, yes, that would be justified. However, uh, we'd have to look at that. Now, I could say potentially... Okay, I love my children. There are times where, you know, my child is going to stick his finger into the electric socket. If I don't use physical force, he will die. Yes, that is a case where violence, as per my definition, is necessary as an act of love because words, and I'm going to be like, Soren, Soren, don't don't do that, Soren. No, trust me, words don't work. (laughs) So in that case, yes, violence is merited and necessary, and it is an act of love. Now, people can abuse this, obviously, because you can say, oh, this poor adult, they're an idiot, they don't know anything, so I got to do this for them and use violence to help them see the light. Mm, not so much. I think that's getting a little bit different. Uh, <clears throat> so we'll, we'll get to this in a second. Now, this is going very quickly. Uh, okay, let me continue this track just a little bit more. Jesus in front of Pilate. Uh, he is there talking with Pilate. Pilate's talking to him. I have this beautiful conversation. It was recorded in John. And uh, one of the things that um, Pilate says to him is like, is it true you're a king? 
And Jesus responds to me, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not of this cosmos. It's not of this order. It's out of this world. (laughs) Uh, If it was of this world, then my followers would rise up and fight for me. But Jesus is saying, listen, no, this is not the case. My kingdom, if you're going to look for my kingdom, it's not based on a physical fighting. It's not based on what the rules of the kingdoms of the earth are. It's based on something entirely different. I'm going to flip back to the Old Testament real quick. If we look at the kingdoms of David and Solomon, they're pretty different. Now, they're both very violent. However, David as an individual was extremely forgiving of everyone who attacked him personally and especially of his own people. Now, enemies that were not part of Israel, no, not so much. He wiped them out. But Saul, trying to kill him, David had multiple chances to kill him and yet chose not to because he said, no, God has anointed this man as king. I am not going to take his position. I am not, even though I've also been anointed as king, God still has his hand upon him and I'm not going to do that. Now, you could look at Saul's life and be like, really? Is that God's hand upon him? Nonetheless, David made the decision that he said, no, I am not going to use violence against Saul. I'm not going to try to um, cause him harm nor take his life because that, who knows what God would do to me at that point. So there he's respecting something that God has put there. Nonetheless, even a more extreme example is after David lost the kingdom because of the whole issue with Absalom, this one guy shows up, and I forgot to look up his name, my bad, um, and he starts throwing rocks at David. All the while, he's walking out of Jerusalem, and he just starts to insult him and throw rocks at him. Uh, Balthasar? Balthasar? I don't forget what his name is. Anyways, he's just throwing rocks and insulting him. And David's servants are like, King, should we kill this guy? And he says, no, do not kill him. (laughs) Perhaps I deserve this. Perhaps God has taken the kingdom away from me, and he is sent by God to accursed me and torment me, so let him do what he's doing. Nobody lay a hand on him. So this guy threw rocks at David for the whole time he's walking out of the kingdom. Later, David does get the kingdom back. David does not lay a hand on this guy, even in the course of getting his kingdom back. Uh, This guy kind of tries to cozy up to the court and and keep his some sort of semblance of goodness there. Uh, When David dies, one of his last requests to Solomon is like, all right, take vengeance on this guy. The guy gets wind of it, goes up to Bathsheba and says, listen, my queen, uh, I know your husband said, you know, I, I did evil to your husband and I'm sorry for that. Please forgive me for that. You know, is there any way I could find favor in the eyes of your son, the king? My Catholic brothers and sisters always use this verse to try to explain why people should pray to Mary because, oh, look, this guy came and talked to the queen mother and she interceded on behalf of him to the king. However, to my brother, Catholic brothers and sisters, don't use this example. This is a bad example. Because when she goes and intercedes before Solomon, be like, hey, I know this guy did some bad stuff to your dad, but uh, could you forgive him? Solomon says, bring him here. Solomon brings him here and kills him right then and there. <laughs> bad example. Don't use that one. <laughs> um, and so, and fascinatingly enough, it says, very clearly, I think this is in 2 Kings, I want to say, maybe not in Chronicles, in 2 Kings. Uh, and thus Solomon established his kingdom by killing all the enemies of his father and all of his enemies. Thus Solomon established his kingdom. 
the kingdoms of this world are established by violence. That's how they are established. That is how they are maintained. They cannot be any other way. However, it is only the kingdom of God that is established and maintained by the blood of the king. So when Jesus speaks before Pilate, his kingdom is coming right there. His blood, depending on when he's speaking to Pilate, is already flowing. His kingdom is being established, not because he's killing his enemies, but because he's dying at the hands of his enemies. The force and the violence of his enemies falling upon Jesus is what truly establishes his kingdom where his enemies now can be free from the forces that bring them to kill even the king of kings. And so we see Jesus, even as he's been hammered to the cross, he's asking for God to forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. So, um, in this sense, very looking at it very clearly, Jesus is saying, listen, my followers are not supposed to be carrying arms, are not supposed to be rising up and fighting for the kingdom of God, from the kingdom of heaven, because that's not what the kingdom of God is about. It is not following the system of this world. The kingdoms of this world, that's how they are established, that's how they're maintained. They are done through violence. The kingdom of God is something radically and completely and totally different. But you say, but you say, well, wait a minute, and I talked to this a little bit about this in the last podcast. Um, Jesus said, hey, right there in the Last Supper, sell your cloak, buy a sword. And yet they only had three amongst twelve, and Jesus said that was sufficient. Again, whether these swords were actually used for, to be used for fighting off the guards doesn't seem so because when Peter does use one to chop off the guard's ear Jesus puts him in his place says no and heals the guardian uh, to me it seems like there's just a complete and utter difference in the way that Jesus is looking at how we're to treat everyone around us he's not treating people through violence he's not maintaining himself through violence he's not protecting himself with violence he is trusting in God completely even though that knows even though that he knows it's going to cost him his life. In the rest of the New Testament, with the rest of the apostles and everything, we don't see them acting violently. Um, we see them even trying to protect the lives of those around them. It's, it's kind of crazy. You know, even uh, many times when uh, Paul was in prison and they're, they're praying and singing in the night and the doors were opened, um, the guardian, the jailkeeper, he was about to kill himself. And Paul said, no, do not do it. Now, this, this would be his enemy. This is the person using force and violence against him. And yet Paul works to try to save this guy's life and then is later able to bring him and his entire household to Jesus. Uh, again, we don't see even in the New Testament where the people of God are to be raising up arms to fight against the Antichrist. There's, there's nothing about that. That doesn't seem to show up. The resistance towards the Antichrist, if you can even call it resistance, is just not participating in the system. Um, it's not being part of what, what he's trying to set up. And so as the church begins to be persecuted in this time of persecution in the last days, we don't see the church saying, yeah, let's, let's stand up and fight against it. No, the church begins to suffer persecution. And those that lose their heads in the Great Tribulation, there they are below the altar, and they're like, Lord, when, when, when is your justice going to come? 
the idea is we're the the we see this response of God asking or Christians asking God to bring justice, not through their own force and their own means to bring justice. Uh, let's see what else. I mean, I I really don't see anywhere where at any point in the New Testament, once people have met Jesus, that they begin to use violence to get what they're trying to get. So, let's be clear about this. Can a Christian use violence in pro of the kingdom of God? I don't believe that is a biblical perspective whatsoever. I just don't see it. I don't think there's any biblical basis or support for that. Now, if all we had was the Old Testament, then yes, you could make that argument. However, Jesus has revealed the fullness of all that is within the heart of God, and he's shown us what is required of us. Now, can God use violence to get his stuff done? Absolutely. Um, But that does not mean that uh, we should. God will figure out whatever element he needs in order to accomplish his purposes. It may be that he uses one nation against another nation. Maybe that he uses one party against another party. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that for my part as a Christian, I do not need to be using violence. Now, let me go to a hot topic of the day. <laughs> so there's a lot of different things we can look at this. Uh, I think specifically in this country, a lot of Christians would, would start to be like, well, what about self-defense? What about... Uh, is, you know, somebody evil doing something to somebody else? Am I not supposed to intervene? <clears throat> Here's my perspective on a lot of this. Um, Jack Alul wrote a book on violence, and it's, it was, I was trying to look at, when I was like investigating violence, I was looking at more, you know, person-to-person violence, you know, somebody robs you and that kind of stuff, or people getting fights and tizzies and over things like that, and, you know, what's, what's the root cause of that? He was looking more at, at wars and other things, and he has a little bit different perspective even on, on that. Um... But what he says is, is again, using the definition of violence that I've given, he says, really, violence is the most efficient way to resolve a problem. If I have an issue with somebody, and I have to sit down and talk with them and convince them, A, there's a good chance they're not going to change their mind. B, even if they do change their mind, it's going to take a while to get to that point where we can sit down, understand each other, get to a mutual understanding, and then work towards the good of both parties. That's a long difficult, drawn-out process. Whereas if I just have a problem with someone and I kill them, the problem's gone. Now, obviously, if they got family, I got more problems. But violence is the most efficient, quickest way to take care of an issue. I don't no longer have to deal with a person's mind and their heart and their motivations and all that kind of stuff. I just eliminate them. This is why dictators love violence. Because they have an issue, they can just wipe it out. It's the most efficient, quick solution that they're going to have at their disposal to take care of any problems that come against them. Um, And so that's why you will see dictators, people that do not want to sit down and dialogue with people, will use violence. It's very easy. (laughs) It's the simplest way to take care of the problem. Now, with that... Jack Lulz is kind of very clear that when he talks about violence, he says, listen, this is, uh, this is really how the world works. The world is going to work through violence, and that's how things are going to happen. And it may be, you know, we may fool ourselves and think, yes, you know, if I just sit down and talk to people that we can come to a solution. He says, that may not work. That may not work. The, the path of Christ really is something that's completely different um, where we have to 
trust God working that. But at the same time, it may mean that we have to take the path of Christ all the way to the cross ourselves, that we might have to die. Uh, and there may be that even our death does not result in the option that we're trying to get. We might not get what we're trying to get out of it. Um, the people that live after us may or may not get what we're trying to get out of it. But it would seem that the path of Christ implies that we will have to sacrifice ourselves at one point or another. That scares us. That doesn't like us. And so the path of violence looks a lot more appealing because one, it can solve problems. Uh, it can, it's quick and it hopefully implies that me solving the problem. Now the victim's is a different story, but I might live. <laughs> Victim might not. However, with all that, that does not mean that that is truly an option for us as Christians. So what he says is, listen, if, if there's something going on and you use violence, then you've used violence. You've used violence as a human being. Okay, that's fine. Human beings, God sees that in our heart. We are violent. That's part of our, that's part of the, the fallen nature that we have. We don't see that before the fall, but afterwards we see it. This is, the, this is what we have. He says, if you're going to use violence, violence, go ahead. Use violence. But don't use violence as a Christian. Don't say that the violence that you're using is a Christian act. So if you're going to go out and say, oh, look at these protesters. These are, you know, evil people. we got to go send the police on them or whatever, the guard, and, and mow them down. That's not a Christian act. I, I mean, I, I will strongly denounce <laughs> Trump's act that he could go out and use violence to get protesters out of the way so he could go take a picture of the Bible. That was not a Christian act by any stretch of the imagination whatsoever. My goodness. Um, not even close to that. And, and to try to use violence and merge that with, with what Jesus teaches has nothing. Now, obviously, I don't believe Trump was trying to give a sermon. He was just trying to get a photo op. <clears throat> but you can see... Over the centuries, it's been very easy to try to use violence with Christian motivation behind it. And that is completely off, completely off of what's going on, of what Jesus actually intends for us as Christians. So I would say, yes, it is a sin to use violence. Now, if someone's attacking my daughter and going to, you know, do harm to them, and I have a chance to use violence to save her, would I do that? I would believe so absolutely in the moment that I would do that. I don't think I have any moment to do that unless God stopped me and said, no, I've got something better for you. That, that might happen. I don't want to give, you know, just say, yes, carte blanche, I'm going to do that. God might have something different in that moment, and I don't know what that would be. I have no idea. But even if I did that as a father, I'd do that as a father, but not as a Christian. I would do that as someone that's trying to look out for the good of my own daughter and try to keep her safe, but... Uh, but that wouldn't necessarily be done as a Christian. And I wouldn't promote that as a Christian act. Um, so there's all these different things that, that we have to look at and consider and be like, okay, what does this mean? You know, I, I can say that, okay, yes, I, I just can't support as a Christian using violence to accomplish God's purposes in the world. There was a, a movie that came out a number of years ago, I think 2012, called The Machine Gun Preacher. But the real, it's a real, based on a real guy, I forgot what his name is, um, I forgot all about that movie until I was kind of thinking about this, this podcast, I'm like, oh yeah, so if you get a chance to watch it, it's not bad, I looked up some reviews, uh, after I remembered about the movie, and everyone's like, oh, this movie's terrible, I was like, I thought it was pretty good, but, <laughs> but to me, it, 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 most of the critics 
felt like the movie did not bring up this question, but to me, I felt like it did bring up this question, but I can understand maybe somebody watching it, this would not be a question to them. But this gentleman, uh, after his conversion, he goes out, a, he goes on a trip to Africa, he sees how these children are, are, are being abducted and killed at the hands of Joseph Coney, the whole Invisible Children, that whole thing. And so he goes over there to start an orphanage, and in the process, he starts grabbing rifles and arms, and he starts fighting back against the, the, the troops of uh, Joseph Coney. Um, and so even in, in part, and so you see how, you know, how he begins trying to follow God and do good, but in the end, he's just, he's, you know, there's one part where he's preaching and he says, God doesn't want lambs. He wants wolves. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> that, that, that's different, right? So you see, he's trying to use violence to protect the lives of these kids that are dying. However, while he is protecting them with the use of violence, and he's saving their lives. At the same time, he's taking lives. And I don't think that is a Christian act. Now, am I saying, oh, he needs to drop his arms and do that? As a Christian, I can't say that what he's doing is a Christian act. I can't say that. Um, but I would say, you know, yes, he is, quote unquote, saving lives. But he's also taking others at the same time. But I can't say that what he's doing is is got has got a thumbs up by God. No, he's, he's using violence where I believe Jesus is very clear. That is not an option for us. Um, so if he wants to go out there and do that and just make his own little army, great, go for it. But I would say, don't do it under the auspices of Jesus. Do it under the auspices of the, you're a freedom fighter. Do it the auspices that you're just trying to save kids, but don't do it saying, Oh, I'm a Christian and I'm going out and killing people doing this. Uh, I don't know that, that I don't think there's any biblical basis for that. Let's take it even closer to home. I'm sure many people listening to this will be like, well, what about guns? I need to have a gun <laughs> again. Uh, I remember seeing something on YouTube a while back, some YouTube preacher and saying, every Christian man needs to have a gun. Where does it say that in the Bible? <laughs> I'm sorry. Where does it say that in the Bible? If you can point to a verse that says that, and that's, you know, and I've already talked about the part where Jesus says, you know, so you looked by, by a sword. I don't see that. I don't see that at all. Um, now, if you just like guns because you like guns, okay, that's fine. If you like going on shooting guns, I understand that. They're fun. Uh, but if you feel like, okay, if I'm going out and I'm shooting bad guys for the cause of Christ, no, that's not how Christ's kingdom comes. That's not it. That's not how Christ's kingdom is established. That's not the way of, of the cross. It's not the way of Christ. So, really, this is kind of what is our role in all of this? What, what is our role in this? And I believe our role in all of this is to be seeking Christ out, seeking out his kingdom above all things. And if we were to look honestly at the New Testament, when we seek fully the kingdom of God, it means that our blood is the one that runs, not the blood of our enemies. Most of us don't like that. It does not sound good. It doesn't sound good to me. I'll be honest with you. It does not sound good to me. Um, and so we try to use violence, physical force, to protect ourselves and to keep ourselves from a spot where we can be used uh, <laughs> and abused. Yet the way of Christ is radically different. Um, and it was effective. I, I gotta say, the way of Christ is radically effective. The fact that when 
in Rome, uh, the very social fabric of the society itself was pulling itself apart because when people began to follow Christ, they began to renounce the titles that they had, that it's, I'm no longer a slave and I'm no longer a master. We're now brothers. And so now we will serve each other in love, master to slave and slave to master. And, and that began to undo a lot of the social fabric of, of what, of what this is, of what the, um, of what, uh, I was gonna say, of what the, um, of, of what the society was. Uh, there's, and, and that was a threat to the society. That's why there was so much persecution against Christians. Um, there's so many times that Christians are persecuted, not so much because of Jesus as much as we'd like to think about it, but we're persecuted because we represent something that is a threat to the world. Um, or we have aligned ourselves with a certain party within the world, and so we're persecuted not because of Christ, but because of that party. All that to say, I think the biblical testimony is very clear. If, if you are to use violence, use it as a human being and later repent of it. <laughs> but I would not consider that the use of violence is something that is condoned nor uh, promoted by Jesus. That is not the case. Um, if we're really going to follow Jesus just as he gave his life for us, I think we need to be ready to give our lives for others. Uh, even at the hands of our enemies. Jesus is very clear when he says, do not resist the evil one. Um, there's the sense that we're not supposed to resist the one that is committing evil. Now, that doesn't mean you just sit there and take it. If you can get away, you get away. If you can do something else to do that, do that. There's lots of different nonviolent techniques uh, where you can do that. You can create distractions, you can all sorts of stuff like that. I know even in Caracas, a lot of times I'd feel people are gonna about to rob me, and so I do kind of a, a top gun move, <laughs> act like I was about to run, get ready, get a little speed on, get that going, so they're they're in hot pursuit, and then I get in the middle of a really busy street and just stop, and so they'd kind of bump into the back of me, and then there was the street with all these people looking, and it was, it was kind of a weird thing where they didn't know what to do with deal with it because they're used to the persecution, uh, but they're not used to just someone just stopping in the middle, so it throws them off. You're just in this little thing that'll you know throw them off. Uh, one of my friends in Grok as well talked about one time that uh, he's coming out of the metro station and he saw this guy coming up to him and he could just tell this guy was going to rob him. And so as, as this guy came up to rob him, he ran up to the guy and was like, hey brother, you better watch out. The police are over in the metro station. They're looking for you. He's like, oh really? Oh thanks. Thanks for letting me know. And so he ran off. <laughs> just something like that where if, if, if you're willing to use a little bit of, uh, you know, chispa, then he's a little bit of your, your, your wit about you. A lot of times you can get out of those situations. Um, there's a lot of different things where you can just try to create distractions. Any kind of fight that you see in the, on the street. Um, well, this is a different topic about people doing evil, uh, doing violence to each other that may not be Christians. It's a whole different topic. But there's ways even to, to play that down. I know uh, Shane Claiborne, he'll go out and there's fights on his street and he'll just start juggling. And so people start like, hey, what's this crazy white guy doing? And then, you know, they'll look at him and the, and the fight will lose a lot of its intensity because when people are fighting, the other people get into it and they're, they're egging it on. So if you take that element out of it, a lot of times that will just kind of fall away. Nonetheless, um, maybe we'll have a podcast about that. Nonetheless, for the focus of this episode... That's where we got. I mean, really, if we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to be willing to go all the way. And that means not killing our enemies. That means really extending grace upon them, even though throwing rocks at us and insulting us, just being patient and blessing them in the midst of that. God will do justice at the right time. He will. But 
uh, yeah, we just need to be willing to, to bless and fulfill our enemies, even people we have differences with. And especially if they're Christians as well, especially. I mean, it's one thing, you know, when people are, are not, do not know God, but it's the one they do know God. It's like, how are we going to fight each other? Um, so that's that. Now, there's still some untouched topics here. Like, okay, if I'm a policeman, I'm a, if I'm a Christian and a policeman, or I'm a Christian and part of the, the military, we'll talk about that too. Uh, we'll talk about war. We'll talk about all these different types of things. Um, we'll get into that. What about uh, when two non-Christians get in a fight? Are we supposed to do something about that? When violence is extended between non-Christians, what's our role in that? There's there's lots of different things we can look at that. But I think I want to take on the, the easy one today, <laughs> which is just what we as Christians should do in terms of violence. Regardless of how we see God, our role in the Bible is very clear and dedicated. So, with that, uh, let's end. Be blessed. Do good. Don't be violent. <laughs> seek out the Lord. And if you're going to be violent, don't do it as a Christian. Uh, seek out the Lord. Do good. And let's seek out his kingdom in all these times that we need it. Amen.